Whether you're a whiskey aficionado or new to the world of whiskeys, I invite you to pull up a chair and join me around the bar as we pour a dram and share in our love of all things whiskeys. Hi, I'm your host, Victor. You can call me Vic, and welcome to Distilled. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the bar. Today we are celebrating St. Patrick's Day, even though that's tomorrow. So you can kind of consider this your St. Patrick's Day pregame. Why not? We'll go into the uh, history of the holiday, or holy day, as it used to be. And we'll get into a tasting of some Jameson whiskeys with my wife. And before we do that, I'll go over how to conduct a whiskey tasting. Because as I've spoken with people... They're just kind of not confident in how to do it. So we'll go into that. So let's get started. Holy Day versus Holiday. The revelry and traditions we witness here in the United States did not originally come from Ireland. That's right. A lot of the uh, traditions, St. Patrick's Day traditions that we see here, they are made in America. Uh, St. Patrick's Day was originally a Catholic... A holy day, a feast day, uh, commemorating the death of St. Patrick. Um, and really, we'll go a little more into this, but in Ireland, uh, it's more of a solemn day. And up until 1961, because of the laws of Ireland, all pubs were closed. So, yeah, bit different celebration. <laughs> um, originally blue not green, was the color originally associated with the patron saint of Ireland, St. Patrick, prior to the Irish Rebellion of 1798. So, how did we in America get this giant parade, dyeing a river green, having green beer, all that kind of stuff? Well, Boston claims to have hosted the first St. Patrick's Day celebration in the American colonies. Uh, March 17, 1737, some Presbyterian immigrants from the north of Ireland gathered to honor St. Patrick and formed the Charitable Irish Society to help displaced Irishmen down on their luck. Uh, this is the oldest Irish organization in North America, and they still hold an annual dinner every St. Patrick's Day. However, the first recorded celebration actually comes from the Spanish. Gunpowder expenditure reports from St. Augustine, Florida, a Spanish colony, indicate residents there may have hosted America's first St. Patrick's Day celebration with cannon and gunfire. How did the Spanish celebrate this? Well, again, this used to be a Catholic holy day, and up until about, oh, I don't know, early to mid-1700s, Age of Enlightenment, Catholic uh, influence was incredibly strong in Spain. So they probably had an Irish priest at the colony who asked them to celebrate. Um, the first parade, ironically, were held by redcoats. Irishmen serving in the British Army marched through Manhattan, New York, to a St. Patrick's Day breakfast at a local tavern, just to kind of as a point of pride. And each year, the the parades just kind of grew bigger and bigger and eventually raised the ire of anti-Catholic mobs. Um, 
in the early-ish 1800s, late 1700s, this started the tradition of patty making in which the day before St. Patrick's Day, anti-Catholic groups would erect Irishmen in effigy wearing rags, necklaces of potatoes, and holding whiskey bottles and just degrade them. Uh, This practice was banned in 1803. Still, the Irish were not treated very well in America. Um, In the decades following Ireland's potato crop failure in 1845, Irish Catholics flooded into the U.S. Um, They were stripped of their homes and belongings, so they clung to the only thing they had left, which was their identities, their Irish pride. And so every St. Patrick's Day, they took to the streets in great numbers as a show of strength to show, yes, we are a unified force. We are here to stay. And this was a physical and a political show of strength as a retort to the nativist know-nothings, people who used to go around smashing Irish businesses, lynching Irishmen, beating them up, and whenever they were asked about, do you know what happened? They said, oh, we know nothing. So these parades were truly a celebration of being Irish and proud of that Irish heritage. Um, After the Civil War, though, with tens of thousands of Irishmen being essentially conscripted to serve for the Union, they left as second-class citizens and came back as war heroes. So the views and attitudes towards the Irishmen softened quite a bit. Uh, Corned beef and cabbage was not Irish, even though we tend to think St. Patrick's Day, corned beef and cabbage. Really, in Ireland, they eat ham and cabbage. And from what I can figure out, their version of ham is kind of closer to our bacon or Canadian bacon. Uh, that was more common in Ireland. However, Irish Americans were pretty poor and destitute uh, when they came over, and ham was a bit expensive. Corned beef was cheaper. You could literally get it for pennies a pound, a penny a pound. And whenever ships came in, wives and mothers would usually be seen going down to the docks and buying the leftover salted beef, corned beef. These were leftover provisions from the trade ships, and the beef was encrusted in salt to preserve it. It dropped out the moisture so the bacteria didn't grow in it, and it was okay for them to eat uh, during these long voyages. So they buy this corned, super salt-crusted beef, and they had to boil it about three times to remove the salt that it was preserved with. And during the third boil, that was be when the cabbage was added to it to cook it. Um, this created a pretty incredibly tender piece of beef, right? Nowadays, we use brisket. Um, during, at some point in Chicago, the river was dyed green because uh, sanitation workers used a green dye in the sewer to identify illegal dumping of sewage in the river and to help commemorate the uh, St. Patrick's Day one year they just kind of flooded the river with this green dye and uh, since then it's become a little bit more uh, environmentally friendly and they don't use nearly the amount of dye that they used to. Um, Over in Ireland though even though the U.S. is partying In Ireland, it's a much somber day. Uh, My wife told me when she was over there studying abroad, it really wasn't that big of a thing. Um, It wasn't that big of a festival. So people would 
you know, the day started off with church, then you have a modest celebration. Uh, no alcohol could be purchased, and within the city of Dublin, there's an example. No alcohol could be purchased except at the Royal Dublin Dog Show, because Irish law prohibited pubs to be open on holy days. Some of the leftover influence of the Catholic Church. Uh, but in 1996, the multi-day St. Patrick's Day Festival launched in Dublin, and this was kind of only because the Irish started seeing how America was celebrating on TV. So, much different different lifestyles. Um, and since then, as we know in America, it's just it, it just seems to get bigger and bigger every year, and Jameson is now hosting a St. Patrick's Day virtual event. So, if you haven't already, you might want to check that out. It seems kind of cool. Okay, so now the fun really begins. Let's get into tasting. Before we do it, there are some rules we have to go over. Number one, you are an expert. With any kind of tasting, I often hear, whether it's with beer or wine, people tell me, well, I don't know much about wine, beer, or whiskey, but I do like this, this being a specific brand, a specific type of wine or beer, a style, a grape varietal, or a certain whiskey. And guess what? You're already an expert. You have an opinion about your likes and dislikes. You are drawing on your own experiences with tastings, okay? Don't worry about being a snob. You know what you like. This is what tasting is all about. And if you're at a restaurant and you're working with a waiter or a sommelier or a bourbon steward or a cicerone, which is like a sommelier for beer, if they're trained well, they will not tell you how to enjoy your drink. It's up to you. You like what you like. And it's as simple as that. So you're already an expert because you know what you like. Again, don't worry about being considered a snob. We want to make this enjoyable. Don't don't just yeah, don't don't overanalyze it. Okay, so what do we need? Well, number 1, we need whiskey. Uh number 2, although you can do a tasting in almost any kind of glass, we really want a tulip-shaped glass with a stem. A tulip-shaped glass will concentrate the aromas, and it'll kind of trap them inside the glass while letting the alcohol vapors dissipate and leave so we don't burn our noses. And the stem, because we don't want our hands to warm up the whiskey. And you can use either a white wine glass if you have these special glasses called glensarens. Uh, they're like mini tulip-shaped glasses. Usually people uh, drink whiskey with them. They might also be called a nosing glass because they're designed to help you smell and identify the aromas of the whiskeys. And third one thing that we're going to need, we have our whiskey, we have our tulip-shaped glassware, and by the way, all your whiskeys should be done in these glasses. Um, the same kind of glassware throughout the whole flight. 
So the third optional thing is room temperature filtered water. And we'll get into that. So how do we do a tasting? Well, I'll walk you through it step by step. Number one, if you haven't already, we're going to pour the whiskey no more than an ounce, preferably just a little bit less, but you want to make sure you have enough that you're able to take a few sips and you don't want it to drink the whole thing in one go. Okay, we'll get into tasting. So about an ounce, no more than an ounce, and you're going to hold the glass up to the light and we're looking at the color. The color of the whiskey is a pretty good indicator of how old it is, how long it sat in an oak barrel. Whiskies typically pick up their color by the four-year mark in a barrel. So if it's clear, it probably didn't, it might have touched a barrel, it might have seen a barrel, but it wasn't really aged in a barrel. Um, from clear, it'll go to a straw color, kind of a yellow, pale yellow, more of a honey color, gold, amber, caramel, and then mahogany, kind of a deep wood, deep mahogany color, kind of reds. Um, and these are usually really good indicators of how old the whiskey is. Then you're going to slightly tilt it and swirl it around just a little bit gently and let the whiskey coat the insides of the glass and return it upright. Now look at the legs. This is the whiskey that's running down the sides of the glass. This will give you an indication of how the, the viscosity, how it's going to feel in the mouth. Is it runny? Do the water droplets, or excuse me, the whiskey droplets, slowly move down the glass? Or do they beat up along the side and just kind of stay there? I'll tell you roughly how old it is. Again, it's another indicator. And there's a common misconception that you can figure out what the proof, the alcohol content of the whiskey is from this, but that's not necessarily true. So we, we look at the color and we look at the viscosity. Tasting involves all your senses. So now we're moving on from seeing it, observing it, looking at it. Now we're gonna smell it. Give the glass another swirl, gently. Raise it up to about chin level, and you're going to want to close your eyes so you can concentrate on just smelling it. Tip the glass towards you, slightly open your mouth, and inhale. And what this will do, it'll let the aromas pass through your nose, through your sinuses, and across your tongue. So you're tasting the aroma too, because tongue, your tongue and your nose are directly linked. Your sense of smell and your sense of taste are directly linked. Now, we don't want to stick our nose directly into the glass um, unless you have experienced it, like smelling, nosing a whiskey, and you kind of know what you're doing because we don't want the alcohol fumes to just burn our nostrils and then we become anesthetized. We won't be able to smell anything uh, because alcohol is a bit of a numbing agent. So you're, you want to keep your nose down low compared to the glass and let the alcohol fumes just dissipate above you and you want to get those aromas. So again, you want to close your eyes and concentrate on what it is you're smelling. 
take time to inhale and process the scent. And I'm going to walk you through some scent categories as we do this nosing and just try to keep a list of your own kind of in mind. What is What does the smell remind you of? That's a good place to start. Just some common smells that you're familiar with and you can easily remember. So here's just a kind of basic list of aroma notes to think about. Grains, fruits, woods, nuts, textiles like leather, fabric, stone, plastic, and rubber. Sweets, spices, other organics like tobacco, maybe hay, dirt, mushrooms, stuff like that. And then you want to clear your nose and reset by sniffing your arm or sleeve. And you can do this about two to three times. Uh, you don't want to tire your nose out because with a flight, we've got three or more whiskeys to go through. But just do this enough until you think you've managed to identify everything that you can pick up. And then you want to keep some of those notes in mind. So it really does help to write some of these things down that you smell. And there is no wrong answer to any of this. What you smell might be different than what I smell, what the person who's running the tasting smells, your partner, the people next to you. Because this is all based around your own personal experiences. Hopefully, these remind you of good memories. So you clear your nose, you do this smelling a couple of times, and then we're going to move on to actually tasting the whiskey. So you take a small sip, but don't focus on the flavor. It's just going to taste like alcohol, okay? Um, focus on the mouthfeel. So now we're moving from how does it look, how does it smell, how does it feel, that sense of touch. How does it feel in the mouth? Let it coat your mouth, let it sit on your tongue a bit, and then swallow. How thick or thin did it feel? Was it like water, 2% milk, whole milk, or more like oil or cream? Uh, I think cream might actually be a little bit thinner than oil, but those are kind of some, uh, just some descriptors for mouthfeel. And that will also help you figure out how old the whiskey is, because the longer it has sat in the barrel, the more water has evaporated from it over time which condenses it, it makes it thicker. Um, this could probably also give you an indication of how much sugars and alcohol are in it, but really this is just to help you figure out the age. Now, after you've swallowed it, do you still feel the whiskey in your mouth? Is there a lingering sensation? What does that feel like? And where do you feel that? Was there a warmth? Was it hot? Was there a cooling sensation? And again, where do you feel it? Do you feel it go down to your stomach? Do you feel it still in your gut? Do you feel it through your throat? Either in your esophagus or at the back of your mouth? Or do you kind of feel that warmth across and or under your tongue? And how long does it last? 
Is it there for microseconds to two seconds and then gone? Is it there for five or more seconds? Or does it kind of hang around for 15 seconds or more? This is called the finish. How long does it hang around? Now we're going to take a second sip. This time, pay attention to the flavors. Sit with it. Does it remind you of anything? What flavors come up? Go back through the mental notes or even the written notes of the aromas you smelled and see if some of those aromas you can actually taste. Was there a fruit that you smelled that you can taste now? Or are there completely different flavors? And you can use those same categories, those categories of grain, fruit, woods, nuts, textiles, sweets, spices, and other organics. You can still use those as your tasting notes too. And then you swallow. And now instead of just how long did the sensation hang around in your mouth or the back of your throat, pay attention to see if there's a new flavor. Does something new come up? What are they? Take note of this. Now, the filtered water that I said was optional, here's something you can do probably when you're closer to being finished with this particular whiskey that you're on because it's going to change the whiskey. You take a couple of drops of this room temperature filtered water. Do not use ice because ice will actually close down the flavors and close down the whiskey. But a couple of drops of warm water will drop the proof. It'll dilute it a little bit and it opens up the whiskey and allows subtler notes, whether that's subtler aroma notes or subtler flavorful notes to come up that were could have been held down and held back by the alcohol. And run through the process again. Nose it, taste it again. Were there any new aromas or any new flavors? Now before you move on to the next whiskey, it's usually good to reset your palate either with some water or some other kind of palate cleanser like water and lemon juice. Or if you have a little bit of a snack, something with honey is actually uh, a good palate cleanser. Just, just to kind of reset your palate, give you a clean mouth, clean tongue so that you can taste things over again and not be contaminated by the previous whiskey. Now, as for tasting, I said we're doing a flight. Well, what is a flight? A flight is a small collection or group of beverages that you're running a tasting through. They might have a theme. They might not. It could just be, hey, these are my three to four favorite whiskeys, wines, or beers that I like. In this case, we're doing whiskeys. Um, I would suggest doing no more than four five to six whiskeys because at that point your nose might be burned out um and depending how big your pores are you might be feeling a little bit better than intended um three to four is a pretty good number i think and you might want to be comparing whiskeys or contrasting looking for things to showcase so when building a flight 
I suggest three to four whiskeys and think about what are you looking to showcase. Do you want to showcase blends versus a single barrel or a small batch? Or in the case of Irish and Scotch whiskeys, single malts and single pots or single stills? Do you want to compare lower proof to higher proof? Younger whiskeys to older whiskeys? And in these cases, you might want to start with the lower proof whiskey first and move your way to the higher proof. Start with the younger whiskey first and move your way to the older whiskey. Are you comparing mash bills? Maybe a mash whiskeys that are 70-ish percent corn, so they're predominantly corn, which they should be anyway if they're a bourbon, but higher corn whiskeys. Are you looking at wheated whiskeys or whiskeys with a high rye content in the mash bill? Are you looking to compare regions or different proofs? A good entry-level flight, this is going to bourbons, would be Maker's Mark, Maker's Mark 46, Old Forester, and Old Forester Signature. This will show the difference between flavoring grains, proof, and effect of secondary maturation on flavor. And between Maker's and Old Forester, it shows the difference between wheated versus rye bourbons, and the difference between Maker's 46 and Old Forester Signature will show how proof can change a spirit, since those are slightly higher proofs than Maker's for Maker's 46 and Old Forester for Old Forester Signature. So now that we've gone over how to do a tasting, let's taste some whiskey. Today we've got Jameson, Irish whiskey, triple distilled, the regular stuff. We have Jameson Black Barrel, which went through a double charring. The barrels went through a double charring uh, to kind of help mellow some of the flavors. And Jameson says this was an homage to their Coopers to showcase the skills that their Coopers are very proud of when it comes to fixing their barrels for reuse. Uh, as you may or may not know, Jameson uses American white oak barrels, used American white oak barrels, charred, that aged bourbon. And they also use Spanish, European oak barrels that aged, believe it was sherry, or some other kind of fortified wine. Uh, we also have Jameson Caskmates IPA and Jameson Caskmates Stout. These were a couple of fun projects. Uh, Jameson released the Caskmates Stout after partnering with, I think it was Franciscan Brewery, a neighbor just down the street. The head brewer came to Jameson and asked, hey, can I borrow some of your barrels? I want to age some of my stout in it. And he did so, and he thought the flavors were amazing, that the Jameson whiskey just goes so well with a stout, which we kind of already know it does. Um, but then Jameson came back and said, hey, when you're done with those barrels that held the beer, can we get them back? We want to try aging some of our whiskey in it. And so they created this partnership. And the stout imparted flavors in the barrel that the whiskey picked up really nicely. And they just go together so well, apparently. So I'm really excited to try that one. And then 
More recently, they tried this experiment again, but this time with IPA barrels. Um, at this moment, I have not been able to figure out which brewery they sent the IPA, the, the barrels to, to age the IPA in, but on the Jameson website, they showcase two breweries. One is Green Flash from San Diego, which I'm familiar with, and there's another one from Tennessee, I think, but anyway. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the flavor, the hoppiness and the citrus from the IPA, uh, beer that gets left in the Irish, the Jameson barrels apparently goes really well with the whiskey. So even though I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs, um, I'm still excited to see how this happens, how those IPA flavors blend with the Irish whiskey, um, and just highlight and yeah i'm just really excited to try this and as i said at the beginning my lovely wife who spent a semester studying in ireland will be joining me for this tasting all right joining me around the bar is my lovely wife babe do you want to say hello hello listeners oh hi listeners sorry i'm new to this <laughs> um so yeah, we've got a flight of Jameson whiskeys here. We've got Jameson Irish whiskey, Jameson Black Barrel, Jameson Caskmates IPA edition, and Jameson Caskmates Stout edition. And I think that will be the order in which we go through. So let's get started. Pouring with such intense precision. It's beautiful. I love it. Man, I'm really bad at this. This is why I don't have a podcast and you do. <laughs> it's okay. It's taken several weeks to get to figuring this, how this whole thing works. All right. Looking at the color of regular Jameson, I would put it between hay and honey. Maybe was... gold. I was actually going to say it looks like honey, but, you know, just like really runny honey. It's nice. I like it. Mm -hmm. Granted, Jameson is, is my first whiskey love, so that's that's just what I like in general. And looking at the legs, it looks like it's got a bit of a medium viscosity. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how old Jameson ages their whiskey, but I know it's got to be at least three years to be an Irish whiskey. It just smells like happiness to me. <laughs> I definitely get some aromas of honey. I get something kind of fruity, but I don't know what it is. Where it's like... Is it like a citrus kind of fruity, or more like an orchard fruit? More like an orchard fruit, like, like an apricot, maybe? Granted, I don't have the, the certification. I'm not a professional. I am just somebody who really likes whiskey. So, mm. what do you get with the first sip, my love? Um, I wasn't really paying attention to the flavors in that first one. Oh, okay. I was letting it coat the mouth, kind of a medium mouthfeel. Now I'll go back for the flavor. Mm. 
I do get some of that like apricot. Uh, I am picking that up. Also, a little bit of toasted nuttiness, probably from the uh, the malted barley. There's a little smokiness in there too. On the second sip, I definitely agree. The apricot. And just, yeah, it's just smooth to me, but a little kick at the end, and I like that, so it's good. Yeah, I think that's a pretty typical profile for Jameson being nice and smooth, but it's got a little bit of that kick at the end. Maybe a little bit of a, like a lemon kind of citrus coming out, just a little bit. Yeah, okay, I can see that. For me, it's just a cup of memories and a cup of good times. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if Vic has shared with Listenerland, I did um, a semester in Ireland, and that was actually where I had my first exposure to whiskey, and that was, you know, in the typical touristy fashion, the Jameson factory, and getting to sample a lot of their different styles. So this is, this is a walk down memory lane for me, and it is a true delight to get to experience that again. With a little bit of water added in. On the nose, I definitely get more of the oakiness, uh, some buttery, caramel kind of notes. And that oak and vanilla definitely transfers on the uh, on the palate. Yeah, with that little bit of water, the the rough edge kind of goes away and it's just that's like a lot smoother. Moving on to the uh, black barrel, I think would be the appropriate way to go through this flight. A little heavy handed on that pour. Make me cut you off already. <laughs> On the color of the black barrel, it's definitely a darker, darker color, getting closer to that amber, kind of somewhere around caramel, I would say. There we go. All right, I'll pour it and ready. All righty, so darker golden color. Uh, the legs, again, this is the black barrel, again, points to a medium viscosity, and the black barrel, Jameson takes their, uh, some of their barrels and they've charred them a second time, and they let the whiskey soak and mature in that for however long it is that they let it go. Yeah, this one's definitely a darker color, I would say less honey and getting a little more between honey and amber. That's what I would I'd clarify or classify it as. On the nose, I already get more oak and vanilla and a little bit of butterscotch. See, I get more smokiness on the nose, like just getting that smoke charred like scent. Some more citrus, uh, more like orange peel, I think. On the second sniff, I'm definitely getting more of that butterscotch you talked about in the first sniff. Okay, I'm going in for a taste. Me too. Happiness. I think it's a little higher proof. I think I get a little bit more uh, alcohol in that one. How can you tell? 
Uh, just a little bit more heat, kind of more burning. See, I get, like, it's smoother to me. Like, it just, it coats my tongue a lot more easily. Is that, like, is that the mouthfeel thing that you talk about sometimes? Yeah, that'd okay. be the mouthfeel. All right, better mouthfeel, then, I will say. <laughs> and on the palate, uh, I definitely get those same citrus notes, a bit of that oak and butterscotch. Uh, more toasted nuttiness, too. More of a toasted flavor coming out. I'm definitely getting more of the buttery notes. Like, not quite butterscotch, but definitely that, like, just butter. I'm going to add the water to mine, see if that changes anything. And I'll do the same. Ooh, yeah, with the water, I more on the nose, I get more of that citrus that you were talking about before. Less smoky, more citrus for sure. And I just burned my nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when one of us was going to do that. I was definitely sure it was going to be me first. Yeah, I stuck my nose right in the glass. Burned them. Rookie mistake. Definitely more butter from what I can smell. On the taste, I'm getting more of that, um, the oakiness and more of the like nutty quality. Yeah, same. It's a lot more pronounced. I still love it. Still, this is my favorite uh, style of Jameson, though I haven't had the IPA or the stout yet, and I really do like a nice stout beer, so I'm I'm really excited for that one to see what it's like. Oh, yeah, same. At our uh, reception for our wedding, we actually showcased Jameson Black Barrel in an old-fashioned, and it was quite delightful. Babe, we had the best cocktails at our wedding. And that's, and that's the thing, though, is we wanted, like, whiskey and bourbon is one of the first things we bonded over when we first started dating uh, for listener land who, like, a little love story thrown in there. Um, so that was one of the first things we bonded over was our mutual love of whiskey and bourbon. And I, I think I impressed Vic with the fact that I was a lady who drank bourbon and who actually really liked it. Oh, I was totally okay with it. I was a little surprised, but... Very happy. <laughs> what, my sweet, cute demeanor didn't immediately tell you that I was a hardcore whiskey drinker? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> Not at all. But, you know, breaking misconceptions and stereotypes. That's what we're all about here. Hoorah. All right, you ready to crack open the castmates? Yup. Going for it. Vic has given me the microphone after... Vic has given me the microphone after sampling some whiskeys. This might have been a bad decision. <laughs> You're going heavy on the pores, my love. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do as a bartender? Ideally, yes. Eh, depends on who you ask. If you ask me, ideally, yes. <laughs> Are you ready for yours yet? No, I'm I'm enjoying my black barrel a little too much. <laughs> I don't I don't usually like IPAs, so I'm a little hesitant. So I kind of want you to try that one first and tell me if it's uh, if it's something I might enjoy. All right, so it is definitely a uh, a golden color. Um, 
Not honey. Not, yeah, not quite honey. Definitely golden. Again, it looks like it's got that medium viscosity. I think that's just going to be pretty, uh, pretty standard for these Jamesons. Oh, that nose. That is pretty. Okay, now you've got me intrigued. I don't even like IPAs, and I'm intrigued now. So I'm getting a bit of a floral note. That was the first thing. Kind of a floral note. Um, not perfumey kind of flowers, but just, like, I don't know, just more natural. Just a natural floral note. There's definitely some citrus in there, probably a grapefruit, uh, I would imagine, because it's IPA, and that's what IPAs are known for. A little bit of hoppiness, which, again, to be expected. Okay, I'm intrigued enough. I'm joining you in this tasting. Oh, yeah, grapefruit right off the bat, which, if you like grapefruit, that's great. Uh, if you're me, then maybe you don't. Oh, you're laughing. What's going on? I was laughing so I didn't cough. <laughs> um, so the mouthfeel is, is actually kind of weird. It... it it disappeared. It, it does not have a long finish, uh, in my opinion. Um, but I definitely... It, it was more like my mouth was filled with an aroma. Uh, less whiskey, more more aroma. That was interesting. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an IPA coming through, all right? Uh, I feel like I just walked through a meadow. <laughs> Lots yeah. of floral notes. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, for those of you who like IPAs, you would probably very much enjoy this. I'm just not an IPA person. This is, this is, uh, I miss my black barrel. Yeah, that's different. Um, yeah. Pears. I get some pear. The big thing, though, is a lot of floral notes. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I keep, I don't know why I keep sipping this. It's an easy sipper. Like it's it's real smooth. I will give it that. Um just holy flowers. Yeah, I used to work in a flower shop and I I feel like I'm back there now and just yeah, this this may not be the one for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This this one's not for me either. I feel like like, I added water to mine to see if that changed the, the nose, and I get more rose. Like, it's weird. Like, it's so floral. I, I can't even go back with the water. <laughs> oh, oh. When you water it, the taste is a little bit better. It's not as strong a floral on the mouthfeel, and it is a little bit smoother. So if you add a little bit of water, at least in my opinion, it's it's definitely getting a little bit better. Nice. I gotta reset my palette. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. I'm gonna join you. Ooh, second sip after water, though. You're right back in the meadow. And, yeah. This time it's a meadow with roses, some pear trees in the corner, and what's the... There's something else in here. Oh, hops. That's what that is. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of hops. Nope. 
Nope, nope, nope. Alrighty. Okay. Oh boy. I might have to go back to the black barrel after all of this just to end on a like I, I'm really hoping the stout is a lot better because I really do like stouts. Oh, me too. Yeah, we definitely had to take a little break from that one. <laughs> um, IPA was not not a fan of it. Yeah. Do you like IPA beers? I don't think I've ever asked you that. No, not really. Yeah, I'll open the stout. I'm yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs, and it could have been because a certain um, brewery in San Diego released an IPA, and it was the first one I ever tried. And it was so hoppy and so intense, and I just did not like it. And that just turned me off from IPAs kind of forever. Um, There is a Two-Hearted Ale is an IPA from, uh, what is that one? Bells? Yeah, Bells Two-Hearted from Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's a really good IPA, actually. I'm okay with that one. Uh, But no, I'm typically a... I like brown ales, um, red ales. I can go for a lager. Uh, Stouts and porters are good. Yeah, that sounds right. Bell's Oberon. I'm part of that cult. (laughs) Well, you you did live in Michigan, so I'm not surprised. Also, I poured the Caskmates stout one this time because you've you've been a little heavy handed with your pours, my love. So I'm I'm taking care of this round. Oh, thanks, babe. You're welcome. It's lighter than I expected. I was I was thinking it would be darker. Yeah, same. Uh, it's kind of that same golden color as the IPA one was. I'd say it's maybe even a little bit lighter than the IPA. Like just barely, but just a little bit. Which, again, surprises me. I'd picture a stout would be darker. Viscosity does look about... Uh, it's a little bit thicker, I think. I would agree. Good, good, good nose feel, or nose scent, whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. The nose is beautiful. Ooh, I do like that. That's, yeah, that's already leaps and bounds better than the IPA to me. I get, like, chocolate... And a little bit of raspberry. I get coffee. Like a little bit of coffee towards the end of the nose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. It could just be wishful thinking. And I might just need a cup of coffee after all of this. But um, it's definitely... I, I like this one a lot better already. Second nose note, I get more of that, like, more nuttiness. Yeah, the mouthfeel is definitely more heavier on the medium. A little bit past medium. Uh, the IPA was very light, and the f- it, it just kind of disappeared really quick. This one lingers. It's got a much longer finish. Um, a nice warmth. It doesn't burn. It's just very, very smooth. I might have a new favorite style of Jameson. <laughs> this is, yeah, This ev- everything you just said is pretty accurate. I get like, yeah, it just, it coats the tongue really well at first, and then it it just like hugs your throat in happiness. Yeah, on the palate, I I still get those um, cocoa chocolate kind of 
mm-hmm. notes, um, some coffee, that bright berry comes through. Um, I'm not so sure if I would call it, eh, it might still be kind of that like bright raspberry kind of flavor. See, I'm not getting the berry, but I definitely get the the like chocolatey notes. I get that a little bit more. It's very subtle, but I do get that a little more clearly. Yeah, I like this one. I mean, combine two of my favorite things, a nice stout and a nice whiskey. So I feel like this is just, this is the whiskey that's been made for me. A couple of drops of water in it, and it just opens up this really beautiful, uh, what is this? Yeah, more coffee. More coffee comes through. Oh, see, now I'm getting the berry. Like on the water, like more of... It's not raspberry, but it's it's almost like a blackberry, almost. Yes, yeah. On the on the palate, that's what I I couldn't figure out if that was a um. Yeah, blackberry is more accurate, I think. Which I do love a good blackberry porter. That's that's my favorite kind of beer. So I'm like, again, this whiskey is just hitting it out of the park for me. Every note is like getting a little bit better each time. On the palate, I get more wood. Um. More toasted kind of flavors, a little nuttiness. Um, yeah, that's really nice. That was a really good whiskey. See, I get with the second note, I get butter, and then like a fire towards the back of the throat. Like it was really smooth up until I added the water and had the second sip, and now it has a little kick to it at the end. And before that, it was just really, really smooth. I don't know if it's the whiskey, but I'm definitely feeling more confident talking into this microphone <laughs> as we keep going. I don't know if the audio is sounding any better, but I'm I'm feeling a lot better after a couple of sips of whiskey. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so that was a fun flight. Again, we started off with uh, just regular Jameson Irish whiskey, and then we moved to Jameson Black Barrel, and then Jameson Caskmates um, IPA, and finished off with the Caskmates Stout Edition. Um, my love, which one would you say is your favorite? Oh, that's hard. Um, uh, this this is a difficult decision because Jameson original was was my first whiskey love, and then I've had a pretty standard uh, love affair with the Black Barrel. But now now the Stout has been introduced, and I really I actually really like the Stout. Um, I didn't think I'd like it more than the Black Barrel, but I, I think that that might be my new favorite. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, for drinking, for sipping it straight. I would probably go with the Caskmate Stout. Um, the Black Barrel, I would still 100% use as a mixer. Or, or not use as a mixer, but use as the base liquor for cocktails. Uh, because I feel like you can sub out bourbon with the Black Barrel. It's very versatile in that way. Um, I think it would depend on the cocktail. Like if it's an old-fashioned like we had then I think you could do the Black Barrel, but I think there's something a little extra special about a standard bourbon that like in a, in, uh, what's the one, what's the other one that you always make? Not an old fashioned. Is it Manhattan? Is that the other one? Manhattan or a gold rush. Yeah. Like in a gold rush, I, I can't picture the Black Barrel. I think you got to go for a bourbon in that one. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, maybe in a, a Manhattan, you could sub it out. It's got some of those, uh, spicy notes that you get from a rye typically which well go into that later (laughs) um 
using a rye instead of a bourbon for a Manhattan. Our great marriage debate, is rye whiskey good or not? He says yes. I say meh. I just love whiskey. (laughs) That's why you started a podcast. I know. Exactly. Well, thank you, babe, for joining me and tasting whiskey and letting me taste your whiskey because the caskmates were actually a gift to my wife. Um, I had to ask her permission to do a flight of tasting with them. She said only if she gets to join in. So cheers to you, babe. Cheers, my love. Thank you folks for joining me and have a fun and happy and most importantly safe St. Patrick's Day. Please do not drink and drive. If you are drinking, enjoy responsibly, know your limits, and if you need it, please call a ride. Uh, This has been a lot of fun doing tasting. Really looking forward to doing some more of these, hopefully with friends in the near future. Again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, our patrons, those people who have donated. You too can become a patron and support the podcast, help us grow. Either share us on social media, tell your friends and family about us, and go to patreon.com slash distilled. I've got some uh, t-shirts coming up. There's some behind-the-scenes content and bonus content that I am working on. And you can also donate at distilled.me, D-I-S-T-I-L-L-D dot M-E. There's a nice little donate button in the top right corner of the screen. Take care. Cheers.